welcome to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast with your hosts Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. The ultimate insider's guide from signing day to the national championship game and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. We are so, so close to the full beginning of college football. We have week zero. It's coming up this Saturday. We've got week one. It's only two weeks away, and we are here with one more week to fill with all kinds of preseason content. We're going to be talking about, of course, some camp buzz. we got preseason poll rankings to get to. We're starting to see some starting quarterbacks named, especially uh, some the answer to who will be the starting quarterback at Michigan. And we want to talk about our anonymous coaches project, uh, in particular the one that has caused a lot of attention. Barton Simmons, how are you doing, man? What's up? What's up? I'm good. Uh, we we recording this a little later than we usually do on Monday, just to to make sure no no news would would slip by us. And sure enough, you know we get we get a we get a couple starting quarterbacks announced. Um, but you know what? There's probably still going to be some news trickle out because that's the kind of year we're in. That's the kind of season we're in right now. This is the time of year where like, hey. Starters are being named. Jep Sharks are being formed. Uh, this is we're getting closer, man. The uh, I guess as a bit of housekeeping, we can go ahead. I feel confident uh, informing the listeners so that you can begin to adjust your your daily routines and your habits. Our, our plan is to have new episodes available uh, by 5 p.m. Eastern time so that we can be there for either uh, your commute home, whatever you got going on at night or the next morning. Uh, and as long as we are able to uh, to get together to our podcasting machines, then we are going to be putting together an episode in the afternoon uh, from that day, turning it right around to you again. New episodes available, uh, not quite daily. Uh, you know, we're still ramping up the schedule right now. And then once we get in the, the picks and we start to have our regular visits from Gary Danielson and others, then uh, it'll be a, on a more frequent basis. But 5 p.m. Eastern time, we want to be there for you. New episodes for uh, for either your drive home or your drive in the morning. I think we can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, we got to we'll set the expectation now or else we won't follow through. Yeah. Well, we. I, I hope we'll have about four during the season a week. Um at least three, and uh, and right now we're we're still on sort of a three three per week track, which has been good, I think. Yeah, that's so a good 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 healthy amount without uh, overloading people. Um, the AP Top Twenty Five came out today, noon release. It is the third time in a row that Alabama has started the year number one. Of course, last year they start and finish the year number one, and this is particularly notable because Barton only one other time in the history of the AP poll has a team started as the preseason number one team three years in a row, and that'd be going back to uh, some dominant Barry Switzer Oklahoma teams in the 80s. So uh, what what do you see from the AP poll? Any Any big takeaways or anything that – you, you you saw that made you raise your eyebrows as we go through this uh, every this annual activity of college football debate in August. Oh, I don't know. Why don't you go first on this one? What what, what were your takeaways just in, in looking at the list? Big Ten, baby. Not only that, there's a bunch of teams there, but did you see Wisconsin got a first place vote? I did. Uh, yes, I saw that. It, um, it feels like people are talking themselves into the Badgers. They are talking. Yeah, I mean. 
and and that's plenty of reason why. You know, it makes sense, and I think that they are legit. Um, and and I kind of part of the reason like I don't have a huge sort of takeaway from it is because look, I'm when I look at a, a preseason ranking, I'm not going to say you're wrong. Like some people are like given whatever the AP voter was hell for having Wisconsin number one above Clemson and Alabama. How do you know they're wrong? Like that's like I, I don't like judging NFL right, drafts right. based on like the day after because you don't know if they're you know you don't know if it's a B plus or a C minus like because you don't know and so I, that's a little bit untakey of me. But it is very like untakey of you. <laughs> this is just an interest. Like it's just interesting to see what people, you know, what people think. I guess my my bigger my bigger the bigger thing I wanted to explore. And not and if you have more takes, interrupt me now and and let me know. But I think like when you're looking at the college football playoffs in since 2014, right? So I'm just gonna run down chip what the what the preseason rankings were each year. Of each of the four teams. Of each of the four teams that made the college football playoffs, what their preseason AP ranking was. Okay. In twenty fourteen it was basically chalk across the board. It was Florida State, they were ranked one. Bama was ranked two. Ohio State was ranked five. Oregon was ranked three. Pretty good. AP got it, got it right that year. But that's the last year it really went chalk. So 2015, Bama was ranked three. Mississippi, or, um, sorry, Michigan State was ranked five. And then OU, preseason ranked 19th. And Clemson, preseason ranked 12th. 2016. Bama 1, Clemson 2, Ohio State 6, and Washington 14. And then last year, Bama 1, Clemson 5, Oklahoma 7, Georgia 15. So, like with that said, as you sort of talk about this list and you look at this list, I'm more interested in like, can you envision these teams being playoff teams? Like at 19. Do you have the list in front of you? I do. Who's 19? Florida State. Can you envision Florida State being in the college football playoffs? It is not uh, a crazy proposition for me to imagine, but I, I do think that they are outside what I would consider playoff contenders. And I and it, you know what you what you just read off to me, it, it backs up my idea that in general the top 12 to 15 like whatever the top tier is of college football it's only about 12 to 15 deep and that that group of 15 to 25 is it's just almost all interchangeable because that group actually stretches out to like 40 and so you know each each year there's about a dozen like 12 teams are going to be the ones that really matter and the ones that are contending for national championships and contending for playoff spots to try and win the national championship. So I I don't think Florida State – I think Florida State at 19 is not in that top tier, but I think Michigan at 14 is. Yep, so that's the Washington comp. And then you've got – who's 12? 12 is Notre Dame. Notre Dame, okay. And then 15 is what, USC? Yes, so, if we're just looking pat back at the previous, you know, playoffs, you got Florida State, Notre Dame, Michigan, and USC as like four teams that, at that previous rank, have ultimately landed in the college football playoffs. 
I'll be honest with you. I would be I would be very surprised if it was if Notre Dame made it because I just don't have a, a, enough belief in the quarterback position there. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I could see a scenario for any of the other ones because look, Florida State like they're really talented, right? Like I, I mean, this last year was this it was a bit of an anomaly year, and. They bring a lot back in terms of talent, so I could see Florida State. Like, if if I mean, that would not shock me if Florida State had that kind of a year. Florida State, and, Florida State has gotten a deserved mulligan for last year. Everyone is pretty much willing to, because of the deteriorating relationship between Jimbo Fisher and the the Florida State, you know, university community. I think that both college. I mean, this is why you see Florida State. Uh, to go from where they were at the end of last year to all of a sudden jump back up to you know number nineteen, it it's because their talent. I think they are rightly rated in this situation where you're like, yeah, they have the talent of a team that can beat Clemson. Like they have the they have a roster that in a one game scenario can go and beat Clemson. I'm not ready to say that Florida State has everything pulled together in year one under Willie Taggart to be consistent enough to win 11 games. No, I, I'm not, and I'm not predicting it, but it's not but, crazy. Yeah. It's not, it's not like, I think people need to prepare themselves. And they look at this list and they say, Oh, this is, you know, it's a, there's a four team race, you know, like, Oh, we've got five options. We'll make the playoffs. Like I think people need to prepare themselves for other teams deeper down the list to ultimately make a run, I mean, it happens every year. It happens. Right. I, I, and Florida State, I think, could be, uh, I, th- I think, a reasonable candidate. And I'll give you a little spoiler alert. Like, uh, don't go stealing my picks, Chip, but I think my top four is going to have at least, Let's. I'll say this, I'm leaning towards having two non-top ten teams in my playoff prediction preseason. Oh, I've I've already dug myself into a horrible position. <laughs> you you talk. Who are you talking yourself yourself into right now? I've got Georgia and Washington and Clemson, and I still haven't committed. And I think let's go Wisconsin. Yeah, let's go Wisconsin. Washington, Wisconsin, Georgia, Clemson. Oh well, you're so you're kind of chalk then. So you're just not. You just are. You I'm making are, a strong decision not to jump on Alabama. You're making that an is, anti-Bama play. Yeah, yes. I'm making an that anti-Bama play. That's it. That yeah. If you're going to go anti-Bama, then that takes some balls. I mean, that's and I'm it. I'm packaging it with a Jake Fromm's going to be the SEC Player of the Year. I mean, I'm going deep. Oh on this. God, that's right. I forgot about that. Well, shoot. You know, I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna push the chips forward, might as well. Might as well push all of them forward. You know, <laughs> all the way in. You got two quarterbacks. You got no quarterbacks. Can't trust Bama. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like I'm because I have yet to make the official pick. I kind of I, I might as well just leak it out a little bit. And if you talked, if you've heard our podcast, you kind of get the sense of the teams I'm bullish on. But I I am warming up to the idea of, of predicting both Michigan and USC. See, you've you've gotten uh because it's it what I what I just listed is not only an anti Bama play, it's an anti Ohio State play. Like basically you've got to talk yourself and you've already talked yourself into Ohio State is not definitively the best team or is not prepared to win that division. I've not talked to myself. I I it's not that I don't think they will win that division. It's that 
I think that division is a toss up. Right. And and I don't think that there's like a they're a clear prohibitive favorite in that division. And so I you know, it's just that's gonna be like look, that if I end up making those picks and usually when I talk like this, I usually I end up making this. Because, again, this is how you do it. You dig yourself in. Right. You, you, not like now I'm just like, <laughs> I've, I've, already, like I've started down that path. Now I'm just going to talk myself into it. And and so, the and this is probably a conversation for another day. But I'll like for me, with those picks, I'll, I'll either, by week three, I'll either be crashed and burned or I'll feel great. Which is kind of fun. Right. Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> then then you've either accepted that you everything like the in one scenario Notre Dame beats Michigan at the start, USC loses to Stanford in like week three. Yeah, yeah USC could start one and three, one and two. Right. You know, and then you're like, all right, well, that was fun. Like, <laughs> I have you know, un unpin from my Twitter profile. Uh, so okay, but all right then. On on the flip side, then all right. So let's look at it this way: AP Top Twenty Five. Uh, Brett McMurphy. This is I'm sure he's not the only person to mention this, but this is where I saw it. Uh, last seven years, eleven preseason top ten teams finished the year unranked. So, looking at the top ten, who can you envision an unranked season for? I think it could go sideways for Auburn. I think Auburn is the most obvious one. I think only be- because of the schedule mm-hmm. more than anything else. Yeah, I mean they've got to play. I mean they're opening the year with, against Washington, so that's a very reasonable expectation to be zero and one. They've got LSU week three. They they'll be favored in that. I would think. But that's a very losable game. They could very well be one and two, and you know, and then they still have Georgia. I mean, it's a Georgia Bama off year. Like it, it is. It is so funny that this has lined up this way, where it, basically every other year you have to look at Auburn like they're going to be able to get something done because it does seem right now like playing games in Jordan Hare Stadium is a ho- as much of a home field advantage as I've witnessed across the last, let's say five or six years. And when they get both Georgia and Bama coming to town in November, when crazy stuff happens, like things seem to break their way. And then when they have to go on the road for both those games, I've got zero faith that they're going to be able to go win them both or any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, I, I agree. I mean, that's going to be uh that, that that is the reason, like, because I actually think Auburn. There's a lot of reason. I have a lot of reason to like Auburn, because I I love that defense. I love that defensive line, and I think Stidham's going to be really good. And I think that their the run game. They just they have a run game. But the more I look at that schedule, that the the, the tougher it is to 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 really bet on Auburn this year. Um, so that's one. And then the other one, look. I think it's if things go sideways for Ohio State. Oh, dude, yeah, that was the other one I was looking at. I mean, this is a this is a tumultuous season right now. Like if Urban Meyer is not involved and Ryan Day's the head coach and they've got a new starter at quarterback 
And what if he gets hurt? And then it's the Tate Martell show. And, you know, they've got – I mean, there is – it's not hard for me to envision Ohio State falling into an eight and four hole with 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 some injuries and some just some bad luck across along the way. Oh my gosh. Do you have I because because I I'll say cuz here's my the flip side of that is I just don't see like there's not a scenario Alabama is in the top 25. I don't see a scenario Clemson in the top 25. I don't see a scenario Georgia like I don't like I it's very hard for me to envision like Washington or Oklahoma I mean, I guess Oklahoma. I just, man, I just maybe I'm just have this. I think you have blind to in, trust in Lincoln Riley you, that's, that's not warranted. You find candidates just be. I mean, like it, I know that the the stat is for the top ten, but I think you've got some very good candidates in Notre Dame and Stanford where you could see that being an eight and four team. Sure. You know, and that's and that's Notre Dame at twelve, Stanford at thirteen. Like those are the, those are but, teams that I could see finishing the year outside of the top twenty five. Yeah, but that's but that's a huge cop out cheat move to go to outside of the top ten. I'm just I'm I'm exploring these <laughs> these other options where it's just because the Ohio State if if it does go sideways for Ohio State, then I think that Michigan is a hundred percent going to win because that just seems like the way this is going to go, where Michigan beats Ohio State, but Michigan's like number three and Ohio State's unranked, and then they've got to do it in, like, triple overtime. Right. It's going to – I mean, this is going to be a wild year. My, I'm, I got a crazy echo right now. All right, I think it's gone. Um, this is going to be a This is going to be a wild year in the Big Ten East. It's, a little, it's almost, like, dangerous for anybody to pick anyone in the Big Ten East to be in the college football playoffs. Is a, it's a huge roll of the dice because it's, it's just – like, that's a, that is a brutal division. And that's why people are are now like, well, you know what? I think Wisconsin's going to do it. Yeah, let's just skip. Yeah, just let those. I mean, I, it, it it is to me. It probably is a safer or a smarter money pick to go Wisconsin versus the Big Ten East field because yeah. the just or that, that's not the right. That's the wrong way of phrasing it. Wisconsin versus any individual Big Ten East team because. Truly, like you feel pretty confident Wisconsin's going to be in the Big Ten championship game. So then they're one win away from the playoffs because the Big Ten champion is going to go no matter what, especially this year with Wisconsin playing both those, you know, both Penn State and Michigan. And so if you're just betting on one, one game, the better bet is Wisconsin rather than whoever's got to come out of that, that Eastern division. Uh, do you want to get us into some, some, some camp buzzing? Let's 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 can't buzz it up. All right, let's can't buzz it up. Players that are making a buzz, camp camp buzz, camp camp buzz, camp camp buzz. Talking about players that are buzzing. Buzzmaster Barton Simmons, where are we going to? Uh, let's go to Iowa first. Okay. Haven't given enough. Haven't given enough discussion with the Hawkeyes, who could be the only contender in the in the West we're talking about, and. They got a kid named Julius Brents at cornerback who is out of Indianapolis, um, a long corner who looks – I don't know if he's playing corner or safety for them, but either way, he's he's got the ability – he will be playing this year. Like he is the guy 
that is turning all the heads in Iowa camp right now. Um, athleticism and size traits that they don't that I think you know you don't typically see Iowa get from the skill positions as true freshmen. Um, so it's particularly with like Manny Rugamba transferring and and some playing time available there. That's pretty big. That kid's coming in and is is really stepping forward um, as a guy because I think he is, if not a starter, he is a major contributor as a true freshman there. So uh, look out for Julius Brantz. This 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 appears to be actually a really strong freshman class because this kid named Tyler Linderbaum at the defensive line is just your classic Iowa you know, in-state, four-sport athlete type of kid that's just, you know, balling out early on, like ready to roll. The the strength coach over there, his son is coming in at linebacker, and apparently he's he's a, a, an instant contributor as well. So there's there's a lot of guys that are, um, you know, a lot of guys to like over there right now early on for this Iowa team. I think they've been recruiting pretty well the last couple of years. Do you think that it's uh, – but doesn't it still feel like a year that we've got a lot of key – like turnover of key personnel for the Hawkeyes no, on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, I think it is. And that's why I think, like, if you're betting on Iowa and – well, and, and another key here, because they have lost um, – they've, they've – they lost some running, a lot of running back. Um, oh, Akram Wadley. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Barton Simmons' favorite player, Akram Wadley. Yeah, who like is not even going to get, you know, that was that was a bad call by me, I guess, because he didn't get drafted, and now he may not even make the team for the Titans as an undrafted free agent. So, you know, maybe maybe I was wrong. Maybe this maybe he's, maybe he's very replaceable, in which case in comes Makai Sargent, a kid they got out of Iowa Western Community College in June. And apparently he's been a, a really pleasant surprise. So what I'm getting at, though, is like I think you're right. Like It seems like there's a lot of turnover and, and spots available at Iowa. But I, I think over the last eh, three years that their recruiting classes have been sneaky good. Mm. And so I think like there's some guys that are good football players that maybe people don't know yet that can, can step in and, and – without without them missing a whole lot. So look, if the if the quarterback play is as good as the the hype is starting to build it to be for Nathan uh, Stanley. Who, yeah, for who, Nathan Stanley. Who might be getting, really, like, really good. Yeah, he's gotten like some first round NFL draft pick like he's like that's trendy now to talk about that. Um you know if he's if he's that good, yeah, hey, their defense is always going to be solid. Their offensive line we we could trust that. So yeah, I think that there's reason to reason to think I and, and with that that schedule, which is very favorable this year, there's still a lot of reason to like Iowa. I'm I'm gonna file Iowa away into a team that like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get in on the the Iowa State game early in the year, but when it comes time for looking at a team that might be round might be rounding into some good shape and uh and and you know looking to cover spread or spring an upset in late October and November in Big Ten play. I think Iowa might be that team. Iowa State-Iowa game is going to be one of those games that no one really cares that much about outside of the state. And it may be ugly, and it may, but we're going to look up, and at the end of the year, Iowa's sort of hanging around in the Big Ten West. Iowa State is finishes like 8-4, and four, and we're going to look back at that game, and, and I don't care who wins, we're going to say like that was a game we get – between two really good football teams. They're making a buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Camp, camp, buzz. Talking about players that are buzzing.
All right, this is the last one today, just two, because uh, there's a lot of news to talk about. But I'm going to go to Alabama, and we'll, we'll talk a little more about Alabama here in a minute. But Alabama is you know, typically the guy's buzzing, and I think the guy people expected to hear buzzing would be Pat Sertan Jr., their number one cornerback in the country. And he, he's still going to play, and, and it'll probably maybe even be like a starter at star or something. But the kid that seems to be making the most noise in terms of just like turning heads and creating the buzz <laughs> is Jalen Waddle, the a wide receiver, uh, kind of a Christian Kirk type of kid. Um, you know, this a smaller, more of a slot type of receiver, big time speed, big time athleticism, and with the three sophomores coming back who were clearly going to be the top three receivers, this kid looks like a legitimate like addition fourth guy in that is is going to be trouble for defenders. Like just to, I mean, and I remember watching him at the Army Bowl, and it took some time to warm up to him because he's undersized. He's like five nine, five ten. So it took some like seeing him in person to to understand how good he was. But that dude had all Americans on absolute skates at the Army Bowl and practices all week. Just a super fluid route runner, great ball skills, and and electric in terms of his athleticism. I mean, he's going to be. I bet you you see him returning kicks or punts. I bet you you see him as the first receiver off the bench very soon into the season. And I just bet he's going to be a kind of a fan favorite who creates a lot of big plays for that offense. That's like such a the, one of the great wrinkles about this Alabama team is, you know, where where do you think Mike Loxley's head is at in terms of you know what what he wants out of this offense and what he wants it to be? How does that line up with what Nick Saban wants? Because the wide receiver talent it, it's the best in the country, right? Well, yeah. I mean, you could make a case. I mean, like I was just – you posed that question to me and I'm sitting here and – Oklahoma. I mean, some, I, Oklahoma o- has – Oklahoma, C.D. Lamb and Marquise State, Brown. Yeah. West Virginia. I mean, there's some good rooms. But if, you, if you're calling this one the best in the country, I think you're making a, a projection that this is like now that we see these freshmen as sophomores. And I mean, I think based on body of work, it's hard to make that argument. But based on – talent oh the ceiling absolutely yeah like i would yeah i think it's probably the most talented room in the country and um so yeah like that's it is going to be fascinating like this has this offense has the firepower to just play big 12 football and outscore people and i you know is is nick saban willing to play that brand obviously he's not going to play that brand but is he willing to sort of get sucked into that vortex to like letting these guys just just play some basketball and grass a little bit uh will be really interesting to see because man like they have they have they truly have the best offensive personnel in all of college football and i don't think it's that close yeah well on the other side of the ball um as as we start to turn our attention to some news for a little bit we've got uh outside linebacker chris allen's going to miss the season after sustaining a knee injury and nick saban is starting to uh you know he is always, of course, aware of the rat poison and the way that his team gets pumped up every single year. But there is seems to be some real concern from Saban right now over the depth of this football team. And I, I would agree with that. And, you know, the, the flip side to Alabama has the offensive personnel to play a wide open high scoring brand of football. 
Well, I, I think that it does need to be reckoned with that, you know, based on what we're looking at from this team defensively, like, could they even go fast? Like, is this defense ready to play 80 snaps a game of an SEC season? I don't think Nick Saban's ever going to put his defense in that position. That's just not the way he operates. So, so I, I don't think we'll see that. But I also think it's interesting. Like, I was just looking at, at Bama Online on 24-7 Sports. They kind of did a depth chart breakdown. And if you look at the linebacker position, given the injuries now, so Chris Allen, who was, you know, was a depth, key reserve a depth now, guy. yeah, yeah off but, the a, but, a, but a guy that was going to contribute, yeah, is likely out for the season or at least an extended period of time. Uh, Terrell Hall also out for the season. Um, it's Terrell Hall, right? Terrell, Terrell Lewis. Yeah, I always thought that. Yeah, this. He's changed his name from high school, and I've had a hard time figuring out what it was ever since. Terrell Lewis, absolutely a key reserve, if not a starter, out for the season as well. Um, and then linebacker, inside linebacker, they're thin as well. So, like, look at their – Anthony Jennings and Christian Miller are the starters. And then behind them, Jamie Mosley and Ben Davis – this is and an outside, right? Because this is an this inside. This is outside linebacker. Yeah, inside's Mac Wilson, Dylan Moses, like good top line, but not much. Those, depth. No, 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 yeah, Mac Wilson, Dylan Moses are elite level guys, to right? Me. And Anthony Jennings and Christian Miller are probably elite level guys, but it's just like what we're used to seeing from Alabama is it's not is the what makes Alabama so good is that they got guys like Rashawn Evans and Reuben Foster like playing special teams and like running down a kickoff and then they get like a, their snaps in and uh, and you know substitutionally like uh, throughout the course of the game and so this year I just I'm not sure I see those guys right now like the backups are inside Markel Benton and Josh McMillan I don't ne- I don't necessarily see like dominant guys there yeah uh you know I mean the backups at outside linebacker they now Yavia Noma um Cameron Latu, like those are freshmen that are kind of freaky, but are they going to be ready? Maybe they are, but I, it's just this is and and that doesn't even bitch, mention the fact that they lost what six defensive backs to the NFL. Yep. I mean, so this is just a like this is such a unique Alabama team in the sense that it's easy to get seduced by how talented they are on offense, and they're still going to be awesome on defense. Don't get me wrong, but like it feels. Like they're more vulnerable defensively than they've, I don't know, ever been under Nick Saban or been in the last seven years. Is that is I mean, is that overthinking it? I I don't I'm not sure that it is. I well the well the defense if you if we're gonna extend it back to 2009, the defense in 2009 was stupid good. Yeah, like like those like I I think that the 2009, 2010, 2011 teams were like that might we might look at that as the 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 peak of the the Nick Saban Alabama defense because we've there there have been very talented players but let's not forget that Minka Fitzpatrick really is the first Alabama defensive back he was the first Alabama defensive back to win the Thorpe award he was the first uh defensive back at Alabama under Nick's at not total but under Nick Saban to really get those kinds of accolades and honors and so the you know, the defensive backfield has been a place where you've been able to find, you know, some opportunities. In some years, they have Jonathan Allen on the defensive line, and it completely changes the defense. But, you know, other years in the last, you know, three or four years, they haven't. So I, 
I think we've been working our way to this. It feels like we've been slowly uh, working our way to this place from what I would consider the peak of the Alabama Nick Saban defense, which was probably 2011 or 2012. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I I still think like, but to your point on picking Georgia as your SEC champion, this most recent injury, I know it's not a big like it's in and in and of itself, it's not a big deal. Chris Allen hurt is not a big deal if if that's all it is. But this is like inches me closer to temptation of saying like maybe this is not an Alabama team that goes undefeated because this Alabama team probably has to go undefeated given their schedule given they don't play anybody in the non-conference but louisville i disagree the, i th- i think being alabama and i mean it, it depends on what else is out there certainly yeah. but do you think this alabama with this schedule and a, and a one loss regular season that doesn't go to the sec championship game you think they get in no i think they've got to win i think that this they got to win the west you're saying yes i think they can if they win the west with one loss like if let if if Alabama loses in Baton Rouge, I'm like that is that is we talked about Alabama in the SEC over under episode. You know, this was the one time where you know the value is to take an under, but you just look at the schedule and you don't see it. You know, the one of the yeah. few places where I do see it is that at LSU. And I just, you know, that could be a, a spot where LSU comes in fired up and, and Alabama, which better Alabama teams have played close games against LSU in recent years. I, I think that that w- is sort of the spot where I don't trust LSU to also be in a position where that gives them the head to head advantage. But if Alabama takes a loss there, wins the West gets to the sec championship game, I think that I think they still make it to the college football playoff. Yeah. you. I mean, Hey, it's going to be tough to keep them out, especially if they're doing it in a sexy way with uh, with all those those threats on the, the skill positions on offense. Uh, I have a feeling we have we see more blowouts than we're used to seeing with Alabama this year, and so it'll be. But I, I think there this is an interesting team, man. Like I just I think anyone that's like I don't understand why Alabama is this consensus number. I'm I'm still surprised more people aren't picking Clemson and coaches poll ap poll alabama's absolutely a national title favorite but this is not some invincible team oh but Dabo loves it yeah yeah i mean especially since the um the sugar bowl game last year was just so dominant right like that's now 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 clemson doesn't start the year with a little bit of love but he gets to he gets to sell as much of an underdog as you can, but just because they're measuring themselves against Alabama, you're looking up at them all year. No doubt. Yeah. 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 Um, so. All right. Let's uh, let's turn our attention to Wisconsin. Quintez Cephas, you, uh, you mentioned before we started recording, you think this might be one of the most significant preseason injuries that we've had so far? Well, I think when I'm, when I'm calculating out how Wisconsin is – is a um, national title contender or a playoff member. I I I think about how okay they may not have a some stud at quarterback, but the receiver position feels more advanced and more improved than we've seen it in a while at Wisconsin. And Quintez Cephas is a big reason for that. 
now he's out with kind of a weird deal. Like he's got, he is basically defending himself against some unnamed charges, I guess, that are about to drop. Um, so who, I mean, who knows? Maybe this gets cleared up quickly and he's back on the field. But if Quintez Cephas is is not on this roster, or if is he's not on the field, I think that's an important big play threat that you need to have, not to win the West, but to win at Michigan, win at Penn State, win the Big Ten Championship game, get to the playoffs. I think you need every bit of your playmakers, if you're Wisconsin, to to make it to, over that hump. And I, I think Quintez Cephas is a pretty, uh, pretty valuable piece of that equation and puzzle. Is there anyone besides Alex Hornibrook that couldn't that could like you're already I'm already asking you to to just be at the realization that everything we we hope or think or believe Wisconsin can be is possible with Alex Hornibrook at quarterback. We have we've wrestled with that. That is the way we are looking at the Badgers. If anything happens to Alex Hornibrook, what does the rest of that quarterback room look like? I don't know, man. You know, I mean, I think that that is one flaw in my current uh, Wisconsin's going to be in the playoff uh, projection. That is a big flaw. Is it? But is it though? Because it's not as if because I, Alex- I, I I think that there might be. I I think that Quintez Cephas. I I'm not all the way with you on his individual impact, but I I'm I agree in with the general principle that. Jonathan Taylor and the offensive line alone is not going to be able to get you over the best teams in the Big Ten East. There, there has to you cannot be one dimensional against defenses that are that good. You have to be able to threaten in some way, shape, or form with the passing game. And so someone's got to be there. And I guess I'm just sort of picking at the other side of the equation. You know, not only who's going to be able to get the separation to make plays, but who's going to be able to get the ball there. And what happens if either Alex Hornibrook has regressed for some reason or if he gets hurt? Well, I just think like Alex Hornibrook is not. I don't expect Alex Hornibrook, even if they win a national championship, to be an imp- like an impressive quarterback. So, is there is there that big of a drop off between Alex Hornibrook and Jack Cohn? Like, I doubt that there is. And so, that's why I'm not as worried about Alex Hornibrook's health. I, I Paul Chris had a great quote at Big Ten Media Days, which I which. I really appreciated it. Like, I think someone said, like, I think the question was something to the effect of, you know, how, how do you, you know, how are you such a good developer of the quarterback position or something like that? And in typical Paul Chris fashion, he was like, well, I mean, if I, if guys weren't getting better under me, I wouldn't really be doing my job. That's sort of the whole point of coaching is when they players play for you, they get better. Uh, otherwise, what are what are we even doing? So there's this sort of ca- like calm confidence of his ability to continue to develop that position. So I I expect Hornet, but I don't I'd, I'd be shocked if he took a step back. And yet, I mean, I think he's got a low ceiling to begin with. So I think he would take a step forward this year. I'm sure Jack Cohn is taking steps forward this year. The passing game will never be the focal point, but they need big plays out of it, anyways. And and that's where I think losing a guy like Quintez Cephas uh, matters. Um, we got the starting quarterback at Michigan officially announced. It's Shea Patterson on the quarterback edition. And by the way, make sure that you subscribe to the 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast because we got the coaches edition coming up at the end of the week. So if we've hit 
I mean, quarterbacks, trenches, coaches. I mean, who who else gives you that kind of uh, you know full, wide ranging, deep analysis of the college football field? No one, no one but us. Subscribe for the coaches. It's coming up at the end of the week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but we we seem to be going at the you know looking at Shea Patterson and Brandon Peters. I remember uh, the projection that we came out of that episode was that Shea Patterson, because of that little bit of extra that he's able to bring uh, in terms of making a play when things break down and his escapability, that might give him the edge. Is, is are you in a, in a comfortable place right now? Uh, is your boy Brandon Peters going to be all right? Do you think we see him <laughs> on the field anyway? I don't know, but I, I are you are you like surprised that they? named Shea Patterson instead of Jim Harbaugh just playing this charade of like I don't we'll we'll, we'll see who takes the first snap we'll I th- tell you when it ha- you know <laughs> you'll know when we know or, or whatever the the Harbaugh I think it was a locker room move just I mean I don't just, know I don't know but that's just yeah. like if I'm if I'm reading tea leaves I'm looking at the guy who just showed up and like just got cleared and saying that if if the coaching staff is going to commit to him as your QB1 on August 20th, then that gives the rest of this offense and this team a lot of time to, to get their mind right. And, and you know what, if they open the year against Eastern Michigan, he might play coy, but I think that the fact that they're playing against Notre Dame, the, this was a locker room move to get everybody on the same page. Yeah. I'm glad they did it. Me I'm too. glad they, they named it. So we don't have to, I don't have to keep on saying, all right, if I'm picking Michigan, uh, Throw that caveat in there where I like him with Brandon Peters too. All right, so Shea Patterson's the quarterback. Done, locked him in. Okay. If Shea Patterson is like, first of all, I think Cole Kublik on our O line on our trenches episode did a great job of of talking about like why this is this is important because like they they would prefer to have a guy that can be a threat with his legs that can run zone read stuff with that can move the pocket throw from off platform like these are things that they'd like that and particularly if if this offensive line is still finding itself so i think that's great now the the key is shea patterson was a one read run guy last year at Ole miss so i think you want that to a degree but is shea patterson going to be evolved as a passer and or as a quarterback, if he is evolved and not fully evolved to where he's you know it, it's he's number one pick, but just if he's improved in that regard, then I think that's a this is a huge huge move for for, for Michigan. If he's if he is kind of that if if he is what we saw last year at Ole Miss, and and a little bit as a freshman too, where he's just he's just going to go out there and play playground ball, then. I mean, that's, that's why, like, this Michigan Final Four pick is sort of haunting me because I just know so much of it rides on this quarterback, and he has such a high ceiling, but he is not a sure thing you, because of his style of play. What you need to do is you need to go back and uh, – hey, all right, so I, here's the question. How much influence do you think Jim McElwain has on the Michigan offense right now? I don't know. I wouldn't – I mean – they have Jim Harbaugh. They have Pep Hamilton. Um, like those are those are Ed, already two offense. Those are two offensive alphas that are not going to get like outvoted in the in the game plan. 
exactly. Yeah. I mean, and so I'm, I, you know, I think. Because I'm seeing a lot of move the pocket. I'm seeing a lot of uh, Will Greer at Florida kind of offense. And by the way, Ed Warner's got a pretty extensive offensive coordinator background too. Oh, that's true. Uh, so, I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of former OCs in that room. And, but I think, I, I think, look, they, they've, they've been itching. I think like they've been itching for this, this type of kid at quarterback. I think that they're ready for him. I think this is going to be a really good thing. I think that this is, but I, I, I'm just, I'm very, I'm very cautiously optimistic in terms of Michigan, in terms of my, my, you know, my bullish pick on them. Uh, happy to see Sam Ellinger officially named QB one at Texas. Uh, I, I can't, we were, I noticed in our, so in the big 12, uh, breakdown for CBS sports, I noticed that you were equally bullish on, on Sam Ellinger as I am. Yeah. It, You're bold. Uh, you and I, you and I had, had some, some, um, some pod group think on the, on the, uh, bold prediction. I came out of the quarterback episode thinking that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just yeah. the the I thought that uh, I thought that there was a there was a great a great point made about you know how how early he was there and what his ceiling could be and if that's the case and you're looking for one thing that could really put Texas over the edge improved quarterback play or just even consistent quarterback play could take that team from you know a team that stood on the same field as Oklahoma and USC and did not look outclassed. You know, even the even their their win total did not reflect what they looked like at their best. I think consistent quarterback play goes a long way to making Texas a more consistent team as a whole. And yeah, I'm 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 willing to buy that. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I I like Ellinger's intangibles. I know that's a that's a cliche thing to say, but and it's and and it's sort of hard to measure, obviously. But man, I I watch him play and his toughness and his and his mentality and just sort of the, the, the cool that he pr- presents, I think is, is pretty unique. Um, so I've, I've got a, I've got, I feel pretty good about him. We've got, uh, and, and Sean Robinson named the starter at TCU. I no surprise there. Surprise. No surprise. I said, yeah, no surprise there. Yeah. Um, all right, before we get out of here, we, uh, one, one more, one more, right. uh, that was just named while we've been recording this Zach and at Minnesota, true freshman walk-on named the starter. Baker Baker Mayfield? He's like the next Baker Mayfield. This kid, hey, he comes from IMG Academy, and he was actually the backup at IMG Academy, a kid named Arter Sitowski, who's like 6'4", 215 pounds with a rocket arm, was the starter there. And over the course of the year, he, that kid was like a four-star and all this stuff. Over the course of the year, this kid, Annex, Zach Annexstad, beat his tail out as well and took his starting job. So he's he's come from behind before. This is this kind of makes me like this kid. Feel like he's got a chance to be a pretty good player. Uh, all right, one final note on our anonymous coaches survey. Barton, you did you did not participate in collecting these answers, correct? I, I, that is. We 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 all reached out to coaches, right? I mean, I, I feel like they need they need to they need to know that there was a. There was there was a lot more to this process. Like I don't think that we were seeking out salacious answers. In fact, like I think most mo- many, if not most, of the coaches and schools I reached out to 
passed on the opportunity to participate. Some of them did it politely. Some of them looked at me like I was crazy uh, asking them to name who among their peers is overrated and underrated. Yeah, I think most of the answers we got were where people were able to get coaches in person and sort of pinned down. Um, because I don't, I think a lot of coaches that chose to chose to just sort of leave, at least for me, they sort of just sort of casually just, I'll just pretend like I didn't see that, that text with those questions. Because right. I'm, just gonna, I don't, I'm not going to bother answering those questions. Uh, so it was, it was, but uh, yeah, there were some the guys that are <laughs> clearly were, were were honest. Yeah. Um, so Just what? Only punch. What you what you what you want to react to? What what stood out to you? Um, I thought I don't know, like the Nick Saban comment where he people said he was cheating. Like that's that doesn't sit well with me. It does. Yeah. It's well. It's it's. <laughs> It was a little bit too casual of a comment. Right. Like everyone, coaches are always saying other coaches are cheating. Right. I was cheating. Nah, they're, you know, like that's just the way, like that's just the way they talk. And it, it but to, to say it and then let it sort of be presented. I mean, he knew, like these coaches knew what was happening here. The, the answers. So, yeah. I mean, like I got answers that, um, I got answers that mentioned James Franklin. Uh, James James Franklin had a hand he a handful of mentions. Right. Um, you know I you know the way it's presented is tough because we did we had one fifth of the FBS coaches, but you know I, again a lot a lot told me no, and so the, you got to put yourself in the mind frame of the coach the few coaches who said yes. Like they basically stepped into an agreement to participate, looking to stir the pot, looking well, and, to anonymously trash a rival. Yeah, and and I think the the James Franklin stuff, like some of it's jealousy. It is, and it's it's and look, I th- James Franklin rubs people the wrong way because he is so he's so out front. He's 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 such a he's he's outspoken, um, and. You know, and, and hey, look, he he he's a he's gonna outwork a lot of people, and and I think people get frustrated with that. And but you can't, you just you can't argue with what he's done, what right. he took over at Penn State and turned them into what he's what he did at Vanderbilt, what that's never been done before since in the modern football era. Um, so it was it was. Uh, that was it was a telling i think it, uh, some guys were telling on themselves i think for answering the way they were the uh oh they were definitely telling on themselves they were they were looking cuz if you if you were to ask the media to put together a list of especially like rising stars in the coaching community start with the premise that you know Nick Saban is the greatest coach that Urban Meyer with his three national championships that they they're existing in a a different world and you're trying to fill, fill in the the rising stars or the 40 under 40. I don't know. Is James Franklin 40 yet? He might be. He might be younger 40s. Yeah, I think he's, yeah, I think he's uh, he just looks young. He just looks young. I don't know, but if you were if you were to try and put together the coaches that you thought had high ceilings, bright futures, that probably lines up with the names of coaches that were overrated. Right. 
Right. You know, yeah. like, like they, uh, like Dave, David Shaw got a mention on that list where, and he got mentioned on the underrated list. And some of that comes from, uh, you know, the way that David Shaw is heralded to have maintained such a level of consistency and a class of excellence at Stanford football that's never, ever been seen before. You do something like that, and we are going to talk about you differently. And there's probably head coaches who aren't getting the same type of adoration, believe they should be getting the same type of adoration, and they're just being real petty about the fact they don't. Well, underrated and overrated is an interesting question too because we've been doing this on our on our previews. Hey, who's the most underrated team in the Big 12? Well, I don't know who's who's doing the rating. Like, well, and that's why know. I try, I well that's why honestly, so yeah, I don't I feel uncomfortable with overrated and underrated when it's coaches because there's no metric that we can use. I I will go down that uh activity with teams particularly if they are teams that are ranked. And as we're filling out the overrated underrated on a conference by conference basis. I am using teams that are either ranked or getting at least votes in the major polls and considering that my metric as where they are currently rated. Yeah. And, but to be fair with the coaches thing too, like if you're going to pick an, uh, an overrated coach, then you got what? 129 teams to choose from, but really you don't, you've got about 15. I don't know. Yeah, twenty. <laughs> you know, like yeah. they have to be, they have to be really successful to be quote overrated, and so that that makes that sort of makes it a little bit misleading. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if yeah, if you got to pin me down and say I got to pick someone that's overrated, look, these all all these guys are are successful. They're all head coaches of major college football programs. They've they've did, they did something to get here, right? But if I have to pick someone, then you know, here he is. So it, it's a, it's a little bit of a tricky exercise. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't love it. it was, it's my, <laughs> it's my least, it's my least favorite of the candid coaches questions and it gets the most amount of attention. Oh yeah. I mean, it was, it blew up the thing. Yeah. It, so I was, I'm, I'm, I'm sit, sitting here on rich Eisen's show. Just, just getting poked. So who was it? Chip, who was it? <laughs> Oh, Chip you're on Rich Eisen for that? Yes. Oh, wow. I mean, it's. I mean, yeah, and it's. It, it was. Uh, it's. It's something that, as someone who, per, yes, I participated in the activity, and I did. I was one of the one of the people who did get some answers back. I was not the person who got the most of them, and I was never allowed to see all of the names and answers lined up together. So, it was a. Uh, it was an interesting position to be in. <laughs> just just speaking for all the anonymous coaches yeah who, as, if, as if it's your opinion <laughs> who names chip the spokesperson for all these anonymous coaches yeah, yeah <laughs> who knows all right uh he is barton simmons you can follow him on twitter at barton simmons you can follow me at chip underscore patterson um we're going to continue to be delivering these shows to you we've got the coaches themed episode coming up later in this week so you want to subscribe to for that uh, remember new episodes at 5 p.m barton thank you very much yes sir